0: Welcome to Sooner Nation, the online podcast of crimsonandcreammachine.com. It's always fun to be back at our second podcast as we head into the fall and head into football season. Oklahoma coming up, University of Akron, season opener September 5th. A lot to talk about before then. Uh, we got into a pretty good conversation last week about the quarterbacks, a decent conversation about running backs. A lot to talk about tonight. I mean, there's so much going on with camp actually opened up, the players being there, and and, and all these things that are they're happening. We want to get into uh, really a good discussion tonight on the um, running backs, and then from there go to receivers and, and tight ends. And at some point, we've got to talk offensive line. I don't know if we'll get to that in this episode of Sooner Nation. But man, we're excited uh, to be back and to be able to talk. Bring in My buddy, Rich. Rich, how you doing, man?
1: I am doing well. You know, it's been one of those extremely hot weeks for us, and I can bet that the the football players are definitely sweating it out, putting in some good work on the football field. But the football season cannot get here quick enough. For those of us who have anticipated this moment since the disappointing end in a bowl game for the Sooners last season.
0: Dude, you ain't kidding about the heat. I was was at... uh practice last Friday for the high school team that I helped coach and I, I think I could literally feel myself melting and I, I don't know about these guys that are actually out there in helmets and shirts <laughs> and then they're going to go full pads and upwards or whatever it's just it's it's so hot but that's that's part of what builds character that's what that's what uh, makes you great or makes you weak whether you can stand practicing and playing in the heat um, hey I don't know if you saw this or not today but uh, this is a good segue into our conversation on running backs. Um, Soonersports.com has totally revamped their site um, and, and good for them. I, I don't really, I haven't looked at it enough to see how much is completely different from what it was. But one of the things that they rolled out today, a feature that they rolled out today, is called uh, In Others Words. Did you see this about Samaj P. Ryan?
1: I saw a little bit of it. I won't say that I took the time to sit down and actually read through it, Um, but it was a quick little link that they put on social media that I saw. And like I said, I did not read any of what anyone else had to say about him. Well,
0: we linked to this from our Facebook page. So if you're you're on Facebook and you follow Crimson and Cream Machine, our our Facebook page, uh, you can see the link there. Or if you're on Facebook and you're not Following the Crimson and Cream Machine page, then you need to like it, and go to that and just kind of help us out by that. But then go look at it. But essentially, what it is is it's it's other people talking about Samaj P. Ryan. Um, the, it kind of hints about his his humbleness and how he doesn't like to talk about himself and so forth. So they went and they got a bunch of other people to talk specifically about his strength. And I I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but I just want to. There's a couple of things that just kind of that stuck out to me, and I wanted to, I wanted to throw them out there and just tell you what some of, the, uh, some of the players are saying, starting with quarterback Baker Mayfield. He says, first of all, you don't find a kid that age who looks like a grown man. He looks like he's about 40, and then you put him in a weight room, and he's look, he looks like he's in the, the world lifting championships. He's a freak. He plays around and tries to be gentle, but he's not very gentle. He doesn't know his own strength. He'll try to rub your neck and your shoulders, and it hurts really badly. He needs to calm down. I mean, just some of these things, you know, look at Eric Stryker. Eric Stryker says his strength is very impressive. At the age of 15, he was 34. And that's the thing. We've been talking about P. Pirine being like a grown man amongst boys. Zach Sanchez says... He did, one. think about this, just think about the strength in this statement right here. He did 100 reps at 225 with ease, and that's when I knew he was the strongest dude that I've ever seen in my life. So in this running back that Oklahoma has, who is only a sophomore, by the way, set the NCAA rushing record for a single game last year, why is it, why is it that no one saw him coming? Is it because of all the hype around Joe Mixon when these these guys signed last year? Was it because of the circumstances with the offense and people trying to figure out what's going to happen? Are we going to have a tight end? Are we not? Um, You know, Trevor Knight, the, the, the glamour of coming off that Sugar Bowl performance. How is it that a guy this big, this strong, and let's just say this talented, How does he come in under the radar where he was really a surprise to everyone involved, from the fans to the coaches to other players?
1: As a fan, I honestly think that we put a whole lot of stock into a star rating. We put a whole lot of stock into what other schools are recruiting these players as well as their high school stats. And you and I, Matt, we've talked about this idea of Samaj P. Ryan being in high school and what it would be like to stand in front of him, whether charging you being as a defender, charging him and him charging you, or you trying to guess which way he's going to go. It's simply wouldn't have been fair. But in all honesty, guys do put on a lot of strength on the collegiate weightlifting program, strength training programs that they enter in as freshmen. And I think it comes down to work ethic, man. Samaj P. Ryan is one of those guys who has obviously put in the work. He's obviously a guy who loves the game of football and is willing to do whatever it takes in order to earn some playing time. And I don't know that you expect that, out of a freshman, I don't know you expect that out of a guy that you're thinking is going to redshirt as well, where he may be a little bit dejected, but regardless, the situation played out where we see Samaje Pirine getting a, a load of the carries, him breaking that record, but like I said, I don't, I don't know how you miss it, I don't know how you evaluate a guy like that and put others ahead of him after, of course, this is hindsight, I don't know how you do it afterwards, but going into it, I just think you need to to look at a kid's work ethic and see what he's willing to put in blood, sweat and tears.
0: You know, and here's the thing, you, you talked about him being a high school kid and what we'd like to have to tackle him in high school. I think it's time to, to approach it from the standpoint of what it's like to have to tackle him in college. <laughs> I mean, because you go back and look at his video. You look at some of the things that he did last year. Go go and look at our our running back preview and, and that highlight film we had a Samaj P. Ryan. And you see guys from Texas Tech, guys from Kansas, guys from Oklahoma State, you see guys all around the Big Twelve literally just bouncing off of him as they come up and try to tackle him. Go back to the West Virginia game, that breakout game, over 200 yards where he just kind of came out of nowhere. And here's, here's where I'm going with this. Clearly, you get bigger, stronger, faster. You get better in college. You should get better in college. Those guys that don't get better in college are the guys that we say, well, whatever happened to, you know, because they, they were the four-star, five-star recruit. They were the blue-chip athlete had a great collegiate uh, high school career. They go into the collegiate level and they don't improve. And if you don't improve, you don't play. My point being is this. I've said, you've said, other people who have more clout than we have said, well, if Joe Mixon didn't get in trouble, if Joe Mixon this, Joe Mixon that, then Samaje Pirine's probably looking at a red shirt last year. And i my point is this, but the first the first angle I'm taking with that, knowing what we know now about Samaj J.P. Ryan, I don't know that that's true. I think it's probably at this point more accurate to say, if Joe Mixon doesn't get in trouble last year, then Keith Ford probably doesn't play. I just don't know how you can have an asset like that in Samaj P. Ryan to see who he is, what he is. It was that Adrian Peterson factor where Oklahoma had an established starter in Kiwan Jones. But after seeing them play two or three games, it was clear the freshman Adrian Peterson was better than the leader, the veteran Kiwan Jones. And that was the same thing last year. It was clear after seeing Alex Ross, Keith Ford, and Samajay Pirine, it was clear the freshman was better, so I want to get your take on on this stance because I I've got a second part of it, but I want to see if, does it make sense? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Is it okay? Let's talk about this for a minute. But my point is this: I don't I don't knowing what we know now about Samaj P. Ryan, I think we could have said this in August of last year, a year ago. I think we could have say, wow, this Samaj P. Ryan kid is really turned some heads in practice. Have you heard about him? Well, if Joe Mixon wasn't in trouble, we wouldn't even know who he is. I think you could have said that a year ago. But now I think looking back, the reality is if Joe Mixon doesn't get in trouble, I think it affects a guy like Keith Ford more than it affects a guy like Samaj J.P. And I think that's evident in the fact that Keith Ford is no longer on the team.
1: That's very possible, and I've honestly never thought about it in those terms. I've always jumped to that conclusion, as you mentioned up front, where we think if Joe Mixon doesn't get in the trouble that he got into, that we would see P. Ryan get that red shirt. And I've got to say, man, I, I think you've, you've stacked the box in your favor because I'm completely on board with after we've seen what he's capable of doing. How can you hold a guy like that off the field? But in, on the flip side of that is we don't know what Joe Mixon's capable of. Still, your argument is valid when taking that stance as well. I just think when you're looking at four guys who are competing for playing time, yeah, one of them does have to get left out. Keith Ford was the more versatile guy. I think he would have gotten snaps. I think he would have been used in more of the game plan than a guy like Alex Ross would. And that's in my, my humble opinion here, that's a travesty because Alex Ross, fastest running back on the roster, and I think they have misused him each and every year that he's been on the roster up to this point. I'd like to see them do some different things in this upcoming season, but I also have to think that he could potentially be the number three guy on the death chart heading into 2016. So to answer your question a little more directly, I, I could get on board with what you're saying. We could have seen a guy like Keith Ford, or we could have seen a guy like Alex Ross take a backseat to a freshman named Samaj P. Ryan after he got a little bit of playing time, assuming that they weren't going to redshirt him, regardless of what the situation was. So, yeah, I can completely jump on board with that.
0: Okay, so here's the other part of that. Um, and, and we're going to get into Alex Ross here in a second, because I completely agree. Guy's been misused. We'll, and we'll get in that here in a second. Second part of this conversation, though, with Samaji P. Ryan is this. How good is Keith Ford? I mean, if Keith Ford is, is good enough to what we're saying, this kid doesn't play in favor of Keith Ford, not Keith Ford. Can we start that part of the conversation over? <laughs> how good is Joe Mixon? <laughs> Can we start over now? The other part of the Samaji P. Ryan conversation is how good is Joe Mixon? It's only our second podcast. We're still allowed mistakes, right? How good is Joe Mixon? If Samaje P Ryan's not getting playing time in favor of Joe, Joe Mixon. Now I can tell you I, from what I've seen, there was only one open practice, but from what's come out of that open practice and what I've seen, Joe Mixon looks smooth. I mean there are guys who who just kind of when they get the ball, they hit the hole and they hit it hard. And then there are guys who glide. Those guys who glide are just a different, level of running back. It's like, is he running or is he gliding? And Joe Mixon glides. He, he's a straight up runner from what I've been able to see. He, he runs with power and speed. He's going to be special, just based off early observations. But if, if, if this kid is going to cost P. Ryan some time, he better be dang good. And when I say dang Good, he better be the best stinking running back in the country. What do you think about that?
1: I've got a quick question for you that I'm going to interject into this segment because a lot of people like to make comparisons of what a player could be or who a player reminds them of. When you look at a guy like Samaj P. Ryan, who do you think is the best comparison in a past Sooner jersey?
0: Well, see, and that's the thing. With Samaj P. Ryan... I mean, I'd like for people to make comments about this. I mean, if you're listening and you're at CrimsonCreamMachine.com, give us your thought on this. That's a great question. Who does he remind you of? Because I don't know if there is. Has OU ever had a bowling ball for a running back? Because I can't think of one. I mean, you think you think of, I mean, you think of uh, even going back, Billy Sims, maybe Marcus Dupree, Maybe. But I don't even think Marcus Dupree was as thick as what Samaj P. Ryan is. You realize this is this is a guy who's the running back, and he's the strongest guy on the team. Let me tell you a quick story of what, what happened this last week. I don't know if you heard this or not, but you know, um, when players when players report, they they do their conditioning test. And what strength coaches will do is they check them that first week of practice, how much how many reps can you do? A bench press or whatever. So P Pirine is I think it's 225. I have to go back and look. But I think he's 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 doing 225. And once he outlifted everybody, he asked, Have I outlifted everybody? And they're like, Yeah, you've outlifted everybody. He goes, Okay, I guess I'll stop then. He wasn't even tired. He didn't need to quit. He just quit because he'd outlifted everybody. So he's the running back and he's the strongest guy on the team. Be it linemen, be it um, being you know whatever, linebackers, guys who are supposed to be tackling him, he's bench pressing those guys. I don't think OU's ever had a guy like that, and and I know Adrian Peterson. You, you get those guys on campus, and you just look at them, and physically they look different. And I've been I've been around Samaj P. Run. I, I I've my son and I, last time I saw him, we, we ran into him at an OU basketball game last, last year. It's the last time I saw him at, after the season. But he just looks different. I mean, you, you, you look at him. I mean, it's not hard to pick out a college athlete, whether basketball, football, whatever. You can look at a guy and you say, he's an athlete. The way they dress, the way they walk, you know what I'm saying? They're not hard. to Go spend time on campus, and you can pick them out. But then you see guys like Samaje Ryan, you see guys like Adrian Peterson, and you say, they're different. They just have that factor about them. You saw, you were around Kenny Stills. You were around Tony Jefferson. Those guys that, they're college football players, but they're like the cream of the crop college football players. And you can just look at them and say, there's something different about those guys. I don't know that OU's ever had a guy physically like Samaj P. Ryan. He runs differently than Adrian Peterson, even though Adrian Peterson from day one, you're like, this kid's going to be here for three years, and he's done. He runs differently than Adrian Peterson does. So I don't know that you can compare him to somebody else. I could be wrong. I really don't know. You know what I would compare him with? And this is going to sound crazy, I would compare him to Keith Jackson, who was a tight end. <laughs> That's just the difference in Samaj P. Ryan. Keith Jackson was a big, athletic, strong tight end. He was fast. Go look at that end around reverse against Nebraska. Follow him what he did in the pros. Go look at the Green Bay Packers. Look at the Miami Dolphins. Those are the type of guys that I would compare Samaj P. Ryan to. I don't know that I have a running back in mind that I can say, yeah, in Oklahoma's history, Maybe Buster Rhymes. You probably, not the rapper. Because, see, you're younger than me, okay? You're younger than me, and I can see it in your face. Oh, Go, man. at some point, Google Buster Rhymes <laughs> OU football.
1: It's, it's funny that you bring that up, because you and I have had this conversation before. And we have specifically, I'm not talking the conversation about comparing Samaj P. Rhyme to a former Sooner running back, but the conversation centering around Buster Rhymes and my my generation saying this is Buster Rhymes versus your generation saying this is Buster
0: Rhymes. But your generation, it's Busta. Busta. Busta yeah, Rhymes. Yeah, A, that's right. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> oh, you football, it's Buster. Yeah. Buster Rhymes. Well, but here, here's what I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to say this. Work ethic, I think he's right on par with a guy like Adrian Peterson. He's the hardest working, strongest guy on the team. But running style, Adrian Peterson was a straight-up runner who had straight-line speed. I mean, he had that elite speed. I think Joe Mixon would almost rather you try to tackle him than him try to run away from you because um, you probably don't remember a lot about Walter Payton. But Walter Payton punished you for trying to tackle him. And that's the kind of guy that Samaj P. Ryan is. He wants you to try to tackle him because he wants to hurt you. And I don't, I really don't know. I think you have to go way back to find a guy like that. Makes sense?
1: Yeah, makes sense. My follow-up question for that though, and this is where I was going with it, was when you look at a guy and what we know currently about a guy like Joe Mixon. I know he is a guy that you could put in multiple different positions, excels out of the backfield with his hands, excels carrying the ball as well. But when you look at him there, I think there are a handful of comparisons that you are gonna draw. So my second half of that question, and then I was gonna tie these together at the end, but who, if you had to pick one player Again, a former sooner that a guy from what you know of at this point in time in terms of what type of player Joe Mixon can become, who would you say he compares to? Well, Joe, I mean, Joe
0: Mixon absolutely compares to Adrian Peterson. I mean, and again, I don't know that that's fair particularly to a, a freshman, but he he compares to a guy like Adrian Peterson. There's there's not a guy, I mean, he's he He's not a Quentin Griffin. He's a bigger, stronger runner. Quentin Griffin was a cutter. Um, you know, you could, you could, I think you could put Joe Mixon based off the sample size. Keep in mind, we've not even seen this kid play a football game yet. But based off the sample size, I think you can put Joe Mixon in the same category as the Billy Sims, as the Adrian Peterson, just those guys, he's going to be a star. I mean, like I said, just based off of today's, uh, this week's uh, open practice, I mean, there's just, he's smooth. And I think September 5th, P. Piran is going to go out there. He's going to start. I, there's, there's no reason for P. Piran to lose that position as a starting running back. But Joe Mixon is going to play, and he's going to play a lot. And he's going to be smooth. O, OU fans, whether you love him whether you hate him because he's going to be one of those guys, I don't know there's a lot of middle ground with Joe Mixon. He's going to be electric. And I, I feel Joe Mixon's a three-year guy. That means OU only has him for two more years because he's going to go to the NFL as a redshirt sophomore. He'll play this year as a redshirt freshman. He'll play next year as a redshirt sophomore. And then if I was a betting man, my money is that he's done. He's gone. So I would say... Absolutely, based off of what we saw from and Peterson early on and what we've seen from Joe Mixon early on. Very, very similar paths in the way they run the ball and in their speed.
1: Where I'm going with this is can you imagine? We're we're talking about Samaj P right here, a guy who you have said is literally blazing his own path that what he's doing hasn't been done before or that you would have to go back way back in order to find a guy who even compares not only physically but with his style of play to a guy like Samaj P. Ryan and then you can bind another player on the field at the same position who a lot of people have made that Adrian Peterson comparison of can you imagine the talent and how much attention the running back position is going to get for Oklahoma all year long. And then on top of that, you've got to worry about a guy like if Baker Mayfield gets the start, he's mobile, he may not be as quick as Trevor Knight, but you've still got to contain him. You've still got to worry about a guy like Sterling Shepard. I don't want to jinx a team before the year even starts, but I am going to say this and go on record and say this could be one of the better offenses that we've seen. I'm not going to put it on par with 2008, but I'm going to say it's, it's going to rank up there for Bob Stoops or has the potential to rank up there in Bob Stoops' tenure at Oklahoma as head coach.
0: Well, all the pieces have to come together for that. I mean, I agree there's potential there. I don't know if I would – I'm with you. I don't know if I'd put it on par with 2008, but everything has got to come together. Um, imagine 2008 with an Adrian Peterson, though. I mean, you had two good running backs in DeMarco Brown and Chris. DeMarco Murray and Chris yeah, Brown. Yeah, exactly. You there you go. DeMarco Brown. We just <laughs> created, they both, they we just created a, a new Sooner football player. They, uh, yeah, I mean, but imagine an Adrian Peterson type guy. I mean, DeMarco Murray's a great talent. He is. I mean, best running back in the NFL, NFL last year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Top dollar, Philadelphia. I mean, you got the Philadelphia Sooners going on now. But he's not Adrian Peterson. And that's, if, if you buy into the hype, if you buy into what we're saying, we're saying that this is an Oklahoma offense that has an Adrian Peterson type running back and Samaje Pirine who could be better. Let that soak in for a second. And then let me give you two more things we're going to throw in this backfield. The other thing we're going to throw in the backfield is Alex Ross, who is a track star. Get him straight line speed, use him to attack the edge, get him vertical. And then Dimitri Flowers, who I wrote on Crimson and Cream Machine when I did, the, I did a, a preview just for tight ends. Dimitri Flowers, I think he fits in that mold. Let me, let me ask you this about Dimitri Flowers. Did you read the article? I haven't yet. Okay, good. So then you, I, can, I can blindside you with this question. <laughs> so, Dimitri Flowers, uber athletic as well, bigger, thicker guy. Listed as a fullback, as a fullback, how many times do you, and he played in all 13 games last year, started, I think, four. How many times do you think Dimitri Flowers has carried the football at the University of Oklahoma? He's a fullback. Keep that in mind.
1: Yeah, I completely understand that. And I'm also going back to him coming in as a freshman, a lot of people saying that he could, even the coaches were saying that he could follow in that Trey Millard type mold at that position. Is he Trey Millard? Not at this point. Could he be that type of player? Absolutely. But if I'm looking at last season, I would honestly want to say that it would be around the double digit mark of 10. Okay, I'm going to help you out here. He, he has nine touches.
0: Nine touches. Total. Total. Nine touches and last year. more
1: than a handful of those were, were passes. How many carries does he have to his name? I'm to Nine zero, touches.
0: Knowing that. You're, you're correct. He has zero carries. And actually, I lied to you. He has 10 touches, okay? He has 10 touches, zero carries. Nine of those touches are pass receptions where he's averaging over 10 yards of reception. The other one is a lateral, which I don't – I mean, to me – I don't count the lateral as a carry because I count a carry as the quarterback turning and sticking the ball in your gut. But he does have a lateral to his name. So if you want to technically say, okay, well, he's got one carry. The point is the guy's a fullback and he's caught nine passes. And he's, depending on how you view that, he's not carried it once or maybe once. However you want to score the lateral, okay? The point is I'm going to one up you on Demetri Flowers comparing him to Trey Millard. I'm going, to, I'm going to compare him to Josh Norman. You guys remember the 2000 season where you had Josh Norman was more of an H-back where you could line him up at fullback, you could line him up at halfback, you could line him up at tailback, you could also line him up at tight end, and you could line him up outside somewhere. And I think that's really what they've got in Demetri Flowers, a guy that can be versatile enough that he can go anywhere. And so you, now you've got this Combo of Samaj P. Ryan, Alex Ross, Dimitri Flowers, and Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon all in there. I don't know that you can get them all in there at once, but I think I would try. Yeah,
1: yeah. You could at least get three if they'd be willing to resurrect the diamond formation and use it a little bit more often than they have in the past couple of seasons. I know that was something that was. I don't want to say a staple, but was seen a little bit more often when Landry Jones was the quarterback. And I know that there are a handful of listeners who are booing me at this point for bringing up that name. But, hey, in hindsight, you wish you could have him back, and you know that is a truth.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. I don't understand Landry Jones. um I don't understand all the ill will towards him. Was he the perfect quarterback? No. Here's the reason why people don't like Landry Jones. One reason only. He's not Sam Bradford. He's not. I mean, it's, he's not Sam Bradford. And Sam Bradford, even though he wasn't perfect, he was the closest thing that Oklahoma fans have seen under Bob Stoops. He was the closest thing that they've seen to perfect. It's like this. Again, I'm going to just throw it out there. Gary Gibbs it's a name that kind of makes Oklahoma football coaches cringe Oklahoma football fans cringe. Gary Gibbs no you know why people hated Gary Gibbs because he wasn't Barry Switzer. I mean, think about it, we couldn't stand Gary Gibbs, so what do we do? We got Howard Schnellenberger. and I'll
1: then never we thought that name
0: then we thought. You know, Gary Gibbs wasn't that bad compared to Howard Schnellenberger, who only made it one season at Oklahoma. Howard Schnellenberger was so bad that he only made it one season. So what do we do? We went and got John Blake because he's in the family. And it got worse. We didn't think we could get worse than Howard Schnellenberger, but we found him. His name is John Blake. Now, compared to Howard Schnellenberger and John Blake, Gary Gibbs really wasn't that bad. He wasn't Barry <laughs> Switzer, but he wasn't that bad. The, the way I'm going with this is, is, here it is. Landry Jones was a good quarterback. He was. He was a record-setting quarterback at the University of Oklahoma, but he wasn't Sam Bradford. And you look at the quarterback player of the last two years— there's uh, Oklahoma fans. They won't say, I really wish we had Landry Jones, but you know what they are? They will say, they'll say, I wish we had a quarterback who could p- complete a pass. And for all the crap that Landry Jones got over interceptions, name me a quarterback who doesn't throw an interception and then talk about it. Robert Griffin.
1: I'm teasing. No,
0: <laughs> the point is Trevor Knight has thrown atrocious interceptions, atrocious. And just as we went from Barry Switzer to Gary Gibbs to Howard Schnellenberger to John Blake to Bob Stoops, things got better. And we're going to see that same progression, I believe with the quarterbacks. I mean, it's going to get better, but we, I think Oklahoma fans need to appreciate what they had in Landry Jones. And this is completely off script. This is not on the agenda for tonight, but I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I, I, He had a winning record against Texas. He had a winning
1: bowl record. I I don't get it. I just, I don't understand it, but it's whatever. It's always, at least for me, a sky is falling mentality where we recognize that things aren't as good as they have been. But again, we have that saying for a reason hindsight is 2020 whether people are willing to admit it whether they're not as we continue to dive down this rabbit hole that we never intended to dive down i'm i'm on board with you i was not a landry jones hater was there times where i wish decision making would have been a little bit different but then again those are the exact same traits that i wish we could trade about trevor knight some decision-making process, making quicker decisions, and making less mistake-prone decisions, if you will. Is that, is that even correct there? But anyway, I digress, man. When we well, look at this, I'm, I'm, hang on. I'm going to
0: keep the digression going for just a second. Here's the thing. Here, here's the epitome. Here's the epitome of the Landry Jones haters, all right? The epitome is this. Um And this is just what it is, okay? Do you remember the Florida State game in Tallahassee?
1: I do. Very much the, so. The
0: pass to Kenny Stills? Mm-hmm. Okay. Great play. And I think it even made our, our countdown to kickoff as whatever day that was. But do you remember the criticism about that play? The criticism was Landry Jones underthrew the ball And Kenny Still's had to adjust to make the catch. Okay, so we can't even celebrate the play from the Landy Jones perspective. We have to celebrate from the Kenny Still's perspective that he had to adjust and make the catch. Do you know who made a killing throwing the football like that? Josh Heupel. (laughs) Josh Heupel consistently threw the ball up like that, and he had guys who could run underneath it and catch it. He had Antoine Savage. He had Curtis Fagan. He had those guys, um, I'm blanking on the guy's name, Andre Wolfolk. He had guys like that. Do you remember, I don't know if you remember, do you remember that, that Nebraska game where Andre Wolfolk jumps in the air to catch the ball? And like he tips it up and as he's falling, he kicks the ball with his foot and ends up catching it. He had to do that because it was a bad, it was, the ball was in the vicinity, but it wasn't on target. And Josh Heupel won a national championship throwing the football like that. And we love Josh with the quarterback. We have different emotions for Josh Heupel, the offensive coordinator. But I'm just saying that's that's we hated Landry Jones because the game-winning touchdown that was caught <laughs> was underthrown. And I just I don't get. I mean, I'm okay, I'm done. Okay, I'm done after that. But that just put, puts things in perspective a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And all I'm not adding anything to that. I'm looking at the quarterbacks that we've currently got on the roster and i think there's a lot of talent there i really do i know they've added a handful of guys to walk-ons they're worried about shoulder fatigue and different things currently as those are issues that have crept up in the past but i like what i see out of this quarterback group i like that there is some camaraderie i like that there is some competition you and I discussed this last week and who we like and who our favorite, our current favorite was and who we expected to trot out there. But again, I, I'm just looking at the offense of a whole, as a whole, excuse me, and looking at the potential there with what is in the backfield, with what is under center, a guy like Dimitri Flowers and the versatility that you've mentioned, along with what we hope is an improved receiving group, D.D. Westbrook could be the X factor, there should be the X factor, a guy who can step in right next to Sterling Shepard and make big-time plays, taking a lot of the pressure off the quarterback because we already know the running backs have that that ability to take that pressure off. We want the receivers to help them out now as well as we move forward and look at some of the bigger games on the schedule where they could produce some upsets. And I think the mark currently for the season is set at 9.5 wins. And the over/under for Oklahoma season, and if they can get some things going together, I, I would definitely love to see another ten-win season.
0: No, I, I think, and I, I think I would be on the side of the over at this point. Just looking at the schedule, I, I, I do think you can, I think you can find two losses on Oklahoma's schedule if you're looking for them. They're there, but two losses still gives you ten wins on the season, which would be the, the over there. Um, you know, and you talked. You're absolutely right about the receivers, and I'm going to come back to that here in just a second. But I don't know if you. I mean, Bob Stoops said um, on Saturday in the on the media day. So let's let's think about media day for just a second. Now fast, our right, rewind to July and in uh, Big Twelve media day in Dallas. Remember what Bob Stoops said about the quarterbacks? Basically, he said it was Baker Mayfield, Trevor Knight and then Cody Thomas. I mean, he pretty much alienated Cody Thomas from the race. He had a different tune on Saturday. Saturday, he he talked specifically about Cody Thomas, even as much saying that he's he's vastly improved since the spring. Before we get into receivers, my question to you is, is that just throwing a bone out to Cody Thomas because of what he said in Dallas? Or do you think Cody Thomas is back in this quarterback race?
1: there's potential to go both ways with this question, honestly. Um, My initial thought is to really say, to take away any inkling that any sports writer, anyone who follows the Oklahoma Sooners may have had ourselves included in writing Cody Thomas off. I think there may have been a little bit of, I want to alleviate that situation, not leave him out of the conversation and recognizing that he may have done that unintentionally with his comments. So he's pulling him back in. Wants Cody Thomas to compete at a high level. Wants him to compete for the starting job as he's obviously dropped baseball to prepare for that specific role. Is Cody Thomas the guy experience-wise? He got a handful of experience last season. Handing the ball off. No, mm-hmm. he threw. He just threw to the not other team. Th- and not very often. And that's why... That's why we saw a 427-yard performance. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> Regardless, I think it was more so throwing a, a bone to Cody Thomas. I'm not saying that Cody Thomas couldn't potentially be the starter one day, but at this point in time, I do think it's a two-man race.
0: Cody Thomas completed 45.5 percent of his passes last season. Now, keep this in mind, okay? We we talked about you know what a tragedy of a season. Trevor Knight had okay? Trevor Knight completed 56.6 percent of his passes so Co- Cody Thomas is 11 points underneath percentage wise of a completion percentage now on that on top of that Cody Thomas Cody Thomas threw two touchdowns to four interceptions and again I, I you know people say you can wipe you can take away last season and you've made the argument Cody Thomas didn't have, Sterling Shepard and so forth. Okay, I'll give you all that. The point I'm making is, this is, in my opinion, this is still a two-quarterback race, Trevor Knight, Baker Mayfield. And as soon as I say that, they're going to come out and announce Cody Thomas (laughs) as the starting quarterback. Because when you look physically, he's the biggest of all the quarterbacks. He's probably got the strongest arm of all the quarterbacks. So he fits the role. But I still say this is Baker Mayfield's job to lose. And the only guy who's going to beat him out of that job, I believe, would be Trevor Knight. Bob Stoops also said on Saturday that as soon as they can announce a starter, it's better for the team but they don't want to rush it. And then something that you had hinted at in our last week's episode as whether they'd play two quarterbacks for a while. And Lincoln Riley said, no, I don't want, yeah. it. we want one quarterback.
1: Completely shot me down.
0: So, I mean, Thanks and I get Lincoln. it. And, and it's, if you think about it, that's what we talked about. We, we is, said, absolutely. they've got it. I, I, I disagree with that statement. I said, they've, they've got to name a guy and stick with him. Mm-hmm. Now this quarterback, no matter who it is, it's going to be Baker Mayfield, no matter who it is, these got to have receivers. And he's got to have better receivers than last year. Outside of Sterling Shepard, outside of Sterling Shepard, you got guys like Deron Neal and, you know, uh, Jeffrey Meade, Jordan Smallwood. There, there's, there's, some, there's some potential there. But you got to think that Jarvis Baxter, D.D. Westbrook, John Humphrey, the Juco's and the freshmen, they Even they even said Dahu Green from Westmore is kind of making a good impression. You got to think, no one's job is safe outside of Sterling Shepherd. I mean, and if these new guys can come in, and challenge and take over on this one way or the other, whether it's just a whole new crop with Sterling Shepherd, or whether this new crop pushes guys like Daron Neal, Jeffrey Mill, Jordan Jeffrey Mead, Jordan Smallwood, it's got to be. Th- the receivers have to be better. They have to be vastly better. They've got to run better routes. They've got to have better hands. They've got to make separation. Some of that will happen in the offense because of the different way this offense is schemed. The, the timing routes aren't there like they used to be. The check with me routes aren't there like they used to be. It's, hey, you're going to run this route. You're going to run this route. You're going to run this route. We're going to have about four or five guys out there on any given play, and we're going to exploit the mismatch. So just from the difference in philosophy, it makes it a little bit easier on the receivers because there's not as much thinking on the option routes. It's you're going to run a post and that's what you're going to run, you know? But I think, I mean, I, I, I my opinion is no one's job is safe. There's, there's not a single guy that I can tell you right now. That's going to start in this receiving core other than Sterling Shepard. How do you feel about that?
1: I agree with you at this point in time. I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said no one's job is safe. At least in my mind, that should 100% be the case outside of Sterling Shepard, as you mentioned as well. Unfortunately, this is a two-way street when we look at receivers, because if you have the greatest receivers in the world and a guy who can't throw the ball on target, or at least in the vicinity, it's not going to matter who's out there running routes. It's not going to matter what name is out there to put their hands up, to have a target essentially in the numbers for a quarterback to throw at if they can't deliver t- on a timely fashion, as well as with accuracy. So like I said, it's a two way street here. Receivers definitely have to improve, but the flip side of that is the quarterback play has to improve as well.
0: Well, and I think they go hand in hand. This, this is going to, if we're not careful mm-hmm. here, this is going to take us back to yeah. our our bowl game argument that yes, <laughs> the quarterback I mean, a a bad receiver can make a quarterback look bad. Now, I I don't think, I don't think there's anybody that was all world taking snaps for Oklahoma last year. But mediocre, mediocre quarterbacks are even worse with bad receivers, and that's what Oklahoma was dealing with last year. And so, because of that, because of that, I think there's more. There may be more potential for Trevor Knight if he has a better relationship. But that also means that Baker Mayfield has a better relationship with better receivers and Baker Mayfield still has the experience in this type of offense. Um, but, you know, again, I, I think I, if, you, if you had me, if you said, OK, Matt, you know, here's the deal. We're, we're going to kick your dog in the face if you don't give me four starters at receiver right now. I'm you wouldn't care. I wouldn't care because, like because I hate animals. <laughs> but I'd be like, if I give you four starters, can you still kick my dog in the face? But, you know, obviously it's, it's Sterling Shepard. I, I think I still like Jordan Smallwood. I, I like, you know, if he's healthy. I, I like his potential. I, I think D.D. Westbrook and Jarvis Baxter are, I think they're coming in from JUCO ranks and they're starting.
1: So where does Deron Dur- Neal fit in that equation for you?
0: I think Deron Neal's a backup. I mean, the yeah. guy, he's a senior. He, he's he been on campus for three and, years. And he, that's
1: why I'm asking that he question. He had
0: a career. And, again, he had a career year last year. But we, all we've talked about is how bad the receivers were.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, keep in mind, just because I say he's a the guy like that, I think Jeffrey Meade's a backup. I think Deron Neal's a backup. Um, you know, Makai Quick, I think he's a backup. It's unfortunate. But, no, but no but that's, here's what I'm saying. I, I don't know that that's a bad thing. <laughs> Because I think this offense is going to need to go eight deep. I think if you're in the top eight, you're playing. Yeah. Because sure. this is going to be a fast pace. You're running a whole lot of offense. Even in, and we talk about how good the running backs are. And Lincoln Riley was asked about that on Saturday. And he, he, he said, we've got the best backfield in the nation. He, that was his words. We have the best backfield in the nation. I plan on using them. And these guys will be tired. They'll be exhausted Saturday night, Sunday morning. But all that you hear from the receivers is how much they're running. Man, we have never run like this before. So you got to go eight deep. And so I think if you're in the top eight, you're good. And I think OU legitimately is going to need eight guys. But keep in mind, Demetri Flowers, I think, counts in that eight. I think Mark Andrews at tight end counts in that eight. So... It's going to be interesting to see how it, how it folds out. But this receiving core, they have to get better. They have to get better quickly. And that's why I think John Humphrey, I think he'll be in the top eight. He's a true freshman. And then I absolutely think, I really do, I think D.D. Westbrook, he's been on campus. He was here for the spring. Jarvis Baxter just fell in Oklahoma's lap. And as a walk-on, I think he's going to play. He was a top 50 recruit in the nation from JUCO, and he just fell in their lap. So I think those guys play. But again, if you're top eight, I think you're playing.
1: I absolutely do hope you're right. And I want to make maybe a little bit of a jump here, but one of the things that I remember we had talked about Samaj P. Ryan, the running back group in depth earlier on here. And one of the things that I remember about Samaj P. Ryan coming as a freshman was he knew that he wasn't going to be the most highly touted running back on the Oklahoma roster coming in. He knew that there were bigger names coming in with him, but his quote when asked about it was, I don't mind working for a spot or something to that effect. If we can get guys who continue to come in like that, I feel like you've mentioned Jarvis Baxter. He could be that type of guy. He doesn't mind coming on as a walk-on and earning that scholarship down the road. Now, he could have went somewhere else and easily had a scholarship, easily been funded for the entire fall semester, even the spring semester, and so on and so on until he finished out his career somewhere, but he's chosen to come to Oklahoma where he I feel like legitimately wants to work. And when you have those guys who are entering a situation like Oklahoma currently has, I think it pushes everyone to get better. And we're right back to where we started with saying that it's an open competition. I think you're absolutely right when you're talking about eight deep. You've mentioned that before in conversations that we've had off air and conversations that we've had over lunch. These are things that we've talked about, and I completely agree with you. There is a lot of talent. It seems to be a deep position this year. It seems that they can rotate guys in without having a lot of sufferance or suffering, if you will, in terms of production. So if we're looking at eight eight guys or if you're looking to name four starters, it can be any number of guys. I'm just hoping they're able to produce like we're expecting them to at this point in time.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and again, you look at a guy like Jarvis Baxter – South Florida bound, credits didn't work out, but they worked out for Oklahoma. He, he's a scholarship player. He doesn't have a scholarship, but he's a scholarship type athlete. He, he's not your typical walk-on athlete. Most, most of your walk-on guys are like, hey, we got a spot for you. Come on. You can be a preferred walk-on, which means there's a spot on the team for you. Basically means you're a practice squad player. Jarvis Baxter is not that guy, and and I, I just I mean I I, and I think if I'm a receiver if I'm if, whether I'm a high school recruit or whether I'm a JUCO recruit, and I see what Oklahoma threw out there on the field last year for receivers, and I understand that Lincoln Riley and his reputation is coming, what he did at Texas Tech, what he did at East Carolina, he's coming to Oklahoma. I'm I'm looking, I'm interested, I'm interested to see what's going on, I'm just to see what they have to offer. And, and I think Jarvis Baxter is completely confident in the fact that this time next year, he's going to be on scholarship. So that, that's my thought there on that. The only other position we haven't talked about offensively is the line. And, you know, that's <laughs> the, I mean, we, we talk about question marks on the, on the offense. I mean, I think quarterbacks, your biggest storyline, I think running backs, I mean, we, outside of the Joe Mixon saga, I think when you look at the storylines, running backs is the last of the list on on the offense. But I think the next biggest story for Oklahoma, once you get past the quarterback, is is right there at, at offense, where they were replacing two two offensive tackles, both of them gone to the NFL, and then you got you had to suspend Kenyon Frieson. I probably didn't say his name right, but whatever. You had to suspend him this week. Um, offensive line, something's got to, I mean, these guys got to gel. They got to gel quickly. Again, the good news is pass protection is a lot easier than run blocking. Pass protection, you got to hold for three seconds. Not literally hold, but, you know, keep your guy at bay for three <laughs> seconds. Run blocking, you got to open up. You got to turn your guy. You got to move him one way or the other to open it up. Now, they're going to do good. They're, I mean, they're going to do both of these, but the good news, even in run blocking, is you got Samaj P. Ryan, and people really don't want to get in his way. I mean, who wants to just raise your hand to volunteer to meet Samaj P. Ryan in the A gap? You know what I'm saying? But this offensive line, you, you got, they got to come together. They got to come together quickly.
1: I think they have real potential, too. There are guys that have been mentioned by name. Josiah St. John, I I think that it is a group, while they may not have the experience of a guy like Tyrus Thompson, who was on his way out playing in the NFL, they may not have had or been as highly touted coming in. But regardless, I think these guys are, are very much so capable. I think they're fitting in and they're understanding what their role is. I think they're gelling nicely. And One of the things that you and I continuously come back to is that the offensive line is only going to be as strong as its weakest link. Who is going to be its weakest link? I mean, there are a couple of options that we could go with at this point, but we won't know 100% with 100% certainty until they step out there onto the field and they're, they're doing what the coaches are asked, and more specifically, as you mentioned, run blocking. But like I said, I think it's a more than capable group. I think this is a group that could potentially in this, this is what I I may have mentioned this last week when we talked about our bold predictions that I wanted to put that Oklahoma would give up the fewest number of sacks in the big 12, even with the offensive line shakeup. I think that they can be that good. I think, as I said, they've already got the size, maybe not the experience or the know-how, but it's next man up. That's how it's going to continue to be, and I think they're up and ready for the challenge.
0: Well, offensive line, you got to look at guys like uh, I, I think Ty Darrington. I mean, there's your starter at, at center. You got uh, Neelakasatadi. I think he's he's probably your. your um, I mean, clearly, I think he's going to be one of your starters at tackle. Um, I'm sorry, he's a guard, isn't he? I think you got I think you got to find a guy opposite of him. Jonathan Alvarez may be one of those guys that I'm just throwing out names there. But I I think Nila Casatati for sure is a starter at guard. Uh, You know, so you got a center, you got a guard for sure. You got to find somebody to go next to him and then you got to find tackles. And, and you're right. There, there's names there. There, there are guys there that here's where Oklahoma is in a good position. They're in a good position because they have a lot of guys with playing experience and even though they're 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 losing returning starters they're going to plug guys in that have played and i think that's i mean it's not just fresh meat so to speak but one guy i really like at tackle is is Orlando Brown i mean i don't think if the guy if it can all click mentally he's a good talent i mean sure. it, it dudes, he's 6'8 342 red redshirt freshman how can you not like that guy as an offensive tackle? And so it it's not like it's it's I mean imagine this if you will. Orlando, Orlando Brown 6'8 342 at one tackle Derek Farniok. 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 Yeah, that good. name. You're good. 6'8 339. I mean those are some big dudes, but they it's got to click. And if and I I I think Why it is for sure, and even you mentioned Josiah St. John, 6'6", 308. I mean, why it's, there's the need there to find guys. It's not like they're going to an empty cupboard to find them. You know what I'm saying? They're Mm -hmm. not going to a bunch of guys who have never played before.
1: The real question is, last year the comparison was that Oklahoma's offensive line would rank I believe it may have been the top five size-wise in the NFL or top 10 size-wise in the NFL. Will this be a line that's able to compete with a line of last year, not only in size, but also in talent?
0: No, and, and, and that's where that's where you, you look back at, at Bill Bedenboe and, and so forth and what they're doing, the recruiting, the development. Because I think if the development is there, then yes, I, I think... I really think, and again, this could just be the optimist in me coming out as a fan. I think it's plug and play. You'll plug the, like you said, yeah. next man up, mm-hmm. you plug the guy in. And if they've developed, that's the key. If they've developed, there is talent and size there on this offensive
1: line. Yeah, absolutely agree, man.
0: All right. So um, there's really a not. Um, a whole lot left. I don't think we can get into defense because we're going to get up against the clock here in just a second. Um, But, I mean, anything else offensively, anything, question marks that you would have or anything that you see, you know, that that you're going to come down with to say, you know, a season opener, here's what I expect to see. Anything that we haven't discussed or brought up yet?
1: No, um, there's nothing that hasn't been brought up. um, But just as a side note, This is an offense, again, that I do believe has the the power to score at will. They'll once again resurrect this idea of a Big 12 offense, of your traditional high-powered electric offense that we've seen out of Baylor, that we're starting to see out of TCU, that we've seen out of Texas Tech. I think Oklahoma is once again on par. They'll be on that level. So they're going to have to look at really defensively. How are they going to stop a lot of those things? And I know we were talking specifically about the offense there. But the defense, when we get to that in a future podcast, I think we'll have a handful of more questions than we really do with the offense, because I do think that we're set at running back. I think we're In a good spot with the offensive line, I think there's talent at the quarterback position, and I think there's talent at the receiver position. So the defense will be the bigger question for me heading into the season and whether they can stop a team like a Baylor or whether they can slow down a kid like Trayvon Boykin.
0: No, I do think it's safe to say that at this point the offense is ahead of the defense, and I think we kind of knew that going into the offseason. In regards to the quarterback situation, offense is ahead of defense. You talked about a future podcast, which will be a week from today, and we're going to get into the defense, and we're going to get into all the ins and outs of the defense. Um, and, again, just a public service announcement to remind people who listen, download us on iTunes, listen to us at Crimson and Cream Machine, however it works. The way it's going to work is, you know, leading up to the game, we're just going to have the pre-recorded podcast that we throw out there on Thursdays. Then game week, we're going to have a preview to preview the Akron game, and then starting September 6th on the Sunday after the Oklahoma season opener, we're going to go with our live show. So you want to com- comment or call in or text or Facebook, however you want to do it to give us your thoughts. The defense isn't any better than where they were last year or the defense is a lot years ahead of, the, of everybody else. Joe Mixon is going and him the Heisman Trophy or, you know, fire Bob Stoops. Whatever your opinion is, we want you guys to participate in that live show And then from that point on, after every game, we're going to have the live show that following Sunday. And we strongly encourage your participation in that. So let's close it out with this. What are you making that face for? What happened?
1: I got your text. Oh. And I'm not certain that. My answer to the question is an actual answer to the question, to be as vague as possible.
0: Okay, because no one, I, no one listening has any idea what, I'm, no, what we're talking no, about. No, they right don't. Here, here's the thing, I, I, and here's how I work, because I am such an organized person. I just sent Richard a text that said, can you come up with a bold prediction to close out the show? Because I, I, I have one that just came to me after, as we are talking about quarterbacks. I have a bold prediction and do you want me to go ahead and give you mine? And, or do you have something off the top yeah, of your head? Yeah, start, man. All right, here's what my bold prediction. And really, if you think about it, this is something I've already said. I said it back in the spring. My bold prediction is this. And remember, bold predictions, they're not layups. They're not give-me's. They're, they're out there. There's a reason why they're called bold. Here's my prediction. Based off of what Bob Stoops said about Cody Thomas, I think when the starting quarterback is announced sometime between now and I'm at the timetable I set, I think was August 28th, sometime between now and August 28th when that starting quarterback is set, it's going to be Baker Mayfield, which isn't that bold, but Cody Thomas will be number two. That's my bold. I said that in the spring and I'm saying it again, Cody Thomas will beat out Trevor Knight. Trevor Knight will become the third string quarterback when the depth chart is released that's what I think Bob Stoops was hinting at when he said that Cody Thomas has made strides, vast improvements since the spring. I think that's what he's talking about. Bold prediction. Cody Thomas, number two on the depth chart.
1: If I had to go with a bold prediction, mine was also going to be in the realm of quarterbacks. And looking at what we're expecting with a revamped offense— I do expect them to sling it around. I do expect the running backs to get plenty of touches, which is why this fits into that bold category for me. If Baker Mayfield is a starter, as we're expecting, I think Baker Mayfield will have multiple games of three rushing touchdowns and three passing touchdowns. Multiple could be two, multiple could be three, but I'm saying he will have multiple games where he records three passing and three rushing touchdowns on his own shoulders.
0: That's interesting. Pretty bold, huh? Yeah, because I mean, here's the thing that's why they're called bold predictions. (laughs) And they they both have timetables, it's just my timetable is August 28th somewhere. Your timetable is like December 5th or 6th. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you got a long way yeah. to go, but hey, we'll, we'll revisit that. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Sooner Nation podcast. We are uh, excited to be back again next Thursday. We'll r- roll out another podcast. And uh, if you have comments, co- suggestions, you can hit us up on Facebook. You can hit us up at com. You can hit us up on Twitter at CC Machine. Let us know your thoughts, your comments, if you got questions, a great day to post those uh, topic questions for the podcast would be on Wednesday afternoon. We'll look at those, and we'll throw them into our show. It's, that's just the way it works. But we will talk to you guys again next Thursday. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Do us a favor. Share it. Like it. Promote it for us. Help us get the word out. Almost 500 downloads of last week's episode. That number will just continue to go up as we get closer to the season. It's going to wrap it up for us. He's Rich DeCray. I'm Matt Hofeld at is where you can find us every day talking all things Sooners, not just football. A lot of basketball news coming out this last week. We'll see you there and until next Thursday, have a fantastic week. Boomer Sooner, everybody.